Join the hosts of Brick City Blockade in the Cantina for an open discussion of a galaxy far, far away. I'm being followed by soldiers of the First Order. I need to get in the Cantina. We're all trying to get somewhere, sir. <laughs> it's a big galaxy. Lots of things are far, far away, okay? <laughs> Just a moment. I'm coming off my break. All right, Jim, Chris, we're back for another episode of the Cantina. From the Brick City Blockade, Star Wars Podcast Network, the show on the network that we just talk about whatever, whatever comes to mind. No agendas here. But before we start saying our hellos, I have to say an additional hello this evening to our good friend Dave Hackerson from the Far East, who's actually slightly only west from us right now in the United States visiting some family. Dave, I'm super excited to have you on the show. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. And it feels good to be on the other side of the ocean in good old Midwest for the first time in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, Dave, you are probably one of my favorite people in the Star Wars fandom to, of all things, talk Star Wars with. And, you know, as I said, we don't really have anything planned. So... What's striking your fancy? I mean, obviously, you know, your home base is usually in Japan. And I think that's why I love the insights that you you have because of the culture in the Far East and knowing that obviously Star Wars originated here, but has strong Japanese influences. And I don't know, what's what's the what's the thing that's kind of stricken your fancy lately, Dave? Well, lately, um, my son actually last no, about two three weeks ago he put in phantom menace i don't know why he put it in and it was it had been a while since i had seen it and watching it again i realized how much i actually really enjoy that movie and probably it reaffirmed for me one character that i always loved to look at is qui-gon jinn and now i kind of made a nomer from qui-gon zen because a lot of what he he says so many things that of the lines he drops in the movie remind me of like little zen snippets like concentrate on the moment because zen is always about there is no past there is no future there is just the now so the now is all you need to think about because the past it doesn't matter the future it doesn't matter you just think on the now and that one line he says to uh anakin right before the pod race he says and just concentrate on the moment and, oh, actually, no, I think he says that to Obi-Wan when Obi at the very beginning of the movie when Obi-Wan is like talking about some something distant and far. And he just says, no, Obi-Wan, just keep your concentration on here in and now where it is. And watching that again, I was like, wow, that's it's such a, a Zen thing because it connects to this thing called the Hanya Shinkyo. And the Hanya Shinkyo is all about how everything we see is just this perception and what we need to realize that these perceptions are they don't mean anything you just need to concentrate on the now because that is all there is and so that was i guess something that's gotten the, the wheels in my head thinking again just with my son not even realizing it but he just <laughs> Well, it's Dave. It's funny you mentioned the Phantom Menace because I'm I'm getting ready with. By the time this podcast drops, we should have the digital release of Solo here in the states. Mm. I believe later in the month it's going to be um, available on on DVD and Blu-ray. Yes. And I'm ment I'm mentally gearing myself up, Dave, to do a full watch through. And I was going to watch the prequel trilogy, 
stop for solo go to rogue one and, and just go from there so I, I don't know chris what are your thoughts i mean obviously uh, i'm not gonna throw this over to jim quite yet because of his uh his, his thoughts yeah. of, <laughs> of the phantom medicine trilogy. <laughs> but i don't know chris what are you what are you thinking no it's great i qui-gon jinn is just an amazing character and in the way liam neeson portrayed him i think there's so much more that we can get from from that character i'm hoping that i think there's a book in the works right now with him and obi-wan yes uh yeah so it'll be really interesting to see what what we get from that and then also some of the small little stories we got from i think it was a certain point of view i think that's what it was uh Obi-Wan talking to Qui-Gon Jinn. Correct me if I'm wrong. I apologize. And then also what we got from the Clone Wars, seeing some more of, you know, that insight that he gave to Yoda on how to reach this next level of mm. be of being. It, it's just Qui-Gon Jinn is just an interesting character. And I just hope we get more content going forward. Uh, I, it's definitely you know, an area that I can see growing, you know, certain there's fandom out there for Qui-Gon Jinn and we want to see more Lucasfilm. Give it to us. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, anything, anything to, uh, to add here? Well, it might be shocking, but, uh, I, I agree with Chris just that, uh, I really enjoy uh, seeing more of Qui-Gon, even though I'm not a big fan of, uh, the prequels. There are some characters within there that I really enjoyed. And uh, I was really excited to see Maul at the end of Solo. And uh, I'd be excited to see Qui-Gon in something else. Probably very excited because it wouldn't be as terrible as The Phantom Menace, hopefully. Um, that's not a very high bar, so I'm going to have oh, man. Throw uh, it down. But, you know, and, and I, I actually was really interested to hear Dave's take and uh, uh, something I'd never heard of with any Star Wars movies, you know, equating some lines to Zen. And um, I think it probably loses some of its Zenness, if that's a word, mm, that's, around, yeah. around yeah. the time where, um, well, probably well earlier than this, but the one that stood out while you were talking, Dave, was I'll try spinning. That's a neat trick. I don't think that's very Zen. I don't know. I no, think they kind of lost it at that point, but you know, so yeah, that was, that was, that was Anakin. Uh, misinterpreting what Qui-Gon was saying. But. <laughs> there you go, right? yeah. He's a 10-year-old kid, so I mean, geez, there's there's adults in Japan who can't break down Zen. I'm still trying to break it down, so I'll, I'll, I'll give them some slack for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, guys, and uh, Dave, it's uh, Claudia Gray is going to be writing that that novel with oh, cool. Qui-Gon Jinn and uh, young Obi-Wan. So I, I have to, uh, it should be probably some of their adventures prior to The Phantom Menace it would be hard to set it afterwards. Uh, I guess they could, but you know, I think it's more set up 10 years later in the clone wars. And, and uh, I believe the clone wars were what three, three galactic years or, or whatever it is. But mm. I, I mean, Claudia Gray is one of my favorite star Wars uh, authors at this point. I mean, she's right there behind Timothy Zahn. I I'd love to be able to break down Thrawn alliances, but I feel like it's a little too fresh still. I don't want to give anything away spoilers with that one, but yeah, I need to, I need to pick that up while I'm here because it hasn't been translated to Japanese yet. I've tried to read these when they get translated, but mm -hmm. that's one I've heard a lot of people speaking very highly of. 
all I ha- all I have to say, Dave, is it combines the well. It doesn't quite get to the sequel trilogy, but it's definitely in the original trilogy. Connects Rebels, connects Clone Wars, connects the prequel trilogy. It's oh, it's so it's so good. You definitely have to. Uh, I highly recommend it. I think you know. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think very highly of Timothy Zahn, but just the interconnectivity there. And I, our good friend uh, James Brown. I know that there's a certain aspect of that book that he was very keen on in Legends. And oh, I just I, I told him I'm like, I, I told him same thing, Dave. I said, James, you gotta pick this up. I got I gotta talk to you about what uh what transpires in this book. So yeah, it's uh it's good stuff. I you know, we kind of talked to you know, one of the things I did want to talk tonight about was um mm. solo and and Chris, you and I have talked uh recently. Mm with i wasn't i I think myself i wasn't as overly excited about solo coming up it's like did we really need a solo film and you know the film came out i enjoyed it i think i've actually really enjoyed chris the 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 novels that have come with that we had last shot we had most Mm -hmm. wanted uh chris you and i were just uh, we're in the process of listening to the uh movie adaption from uh, on audible and getting through that and almost i think you and i are both have about four four and a half hours left in that and it's it's been fascinating and to see some of the things that were either deleted scenes or extra scenes they've added just like they did with the last jedi and jason fry so chris where is your excitement level now knowing that this month we're going to get our another home release of a star wars movie i'm excited for it i'm not I I don't know. I I feel a little bit different about this. Definitely listening to the book on Audible, you know, Mer Lafferty's uh, take on on the uh, adaptation. It's it's definitely getting me amped up, but I don't know. It just doesn't quite feel as big as it was um, maybe for when The Last Jedi came out um, and even Rogue One. But don't get me wrong. I, you know, I'm definitely going to download that digital version uh this week i'm looking forward to it just just absorbing it more i only got to see it once in the theater so i feel like i haven't really um embraced it completely and and checked out all those little nuances and and background kind of things that that make us love these movies and and you know help us delve into the star wars universe so yeah i mean i'm i'm looking forward to it what about you guys? Jim, did you happen to see that uh, Star Wars, at, at least on social media, I think they uh, had released the pictures of, of Ray Park dressed up as Darth Maul for some of like the, the promo images, obviously. Those, were, those pictures were cool. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. Yep. That that was a nice touch. I mean, I still think, like, I think we talked about the last time we all kind of came together, is I still think they have some work to do with general fans kind of explaining what happened. And obviously the four of us, well, actually, Jim, we're still trying to get you to watch Clone Wars, but at least you know some of the big things that have happened. You've watched Rebels. Uh, you know that a certain character survives uh, past the episode one that we were just talking about. Right. I think that was, that was pretty fascinating and... Jim, I just feel like, I think the last time we talked about it as well, I feel like they they could easily do a sequel. And not only did I think that after watching the film, but seeing all of kind of like the the seedy underbelly of Corellia and just the, there's so many possibilities that 
I think not only could bear itself out from that part of the timeline, but it gets me really excited for what they could do with these other these other trilogies that are coming out. The, you know, the guys from Game of Thrones, Ryan Johnson's got to get a whole nother trilogy. And just as much as I love the Force, and obviously Luke Skywalker's my boy, and but I just feel like there's there's so many different possibilities that they could do, and I think we're gonna see Star Wars go on and on and on. No, I agree. The interesting thing I with Solo is there did feel at the end of that movie that there was a setup there, that there was just more to tell. And that movie was, it's kind of in the middle of Star Wars movies as far as if I'm going to rank them and really on the bottom part of my middle section of those movies, uh, if we rank them in order, still enjoyed it. And I'm still looking forward to seeing it again when I download it. But Walking out of that theater, I almost was looking forward to what comes next more than what I just watched, if that makes sense. And it's along the lines of what you were just saying. There's so much more to come in the Star Wars universe, and there's so much more to be told. And man, I hope the Force is heavily involved. I'd like to see some, we always talk about it, Knights of the Old Republic. I mean, everybody loves that stuff, right? I'd love to see something that goes back to more of a lore of um, the Sith and really early on with the Jedi, just to kind of see a a little bit more uh, of how things came to be uh, way back then. But uh, no, I agree with Solo. It, there's more to tell there. And I, the they did a great job with some of the characters in that film. And that's what left me being excited about the film more than anything is what could come next. Hopefully something does come next. I'd be interested to see where they could take that story. Dave, you had the opportunity, uh, obviously, to see Solo and it it was released uh, slightly later in Japan Mm -hmm. than than it was here stateside. And, you know, I don't think I've actually really had a chance to chat with you about Solo. But what was your overall kind of opinion of the film? and, And what do you think about what could be next? So I saw the film twice in the theater, once in English with my whole family. And then the second time, my oldest daughter and I went and saw the Japanese dub just for comparison's sake. And then actually, I saw it a third time on the flight over here. And I watched it in Japanese dub again. And I I really enjoyed it. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. I was looking forward to it. And then seeing it, I, I had to avoid all spoilers for like a month because I didn't want to lose any of that stuff. And so when I saw it and then when Maul made his appearance at the end, I was just, my jaw dropped. My son looks at me and goes, is that who I think it is? And I was like, yes, it is. And he's like, whoa. And, <laughs> and so, but the, the thing, the thing that I just like everybody said here, I liked how they left so many things open to let your imagination just wander like like the little conversation between Beckett and Lando about Lando thanking him for what he did or saying it's like whoa there's a cool story to be had there I'd like to see where that went to or how like Maul got into that criminal organization like was it was that like one of the uses that Palpatine said he had for him when they have their little confrontation sorry if I'm spoiling this for you Jim with the Clone Wars but there's this little confrontation where Palpatine's like, I'm not gonna, I have more uses for you. And so I'm wondering if that was like his use for him and why Maul ingratiated himself within that. And then when we see him in Rebels and he's all emaciated, whereas in Solo, he looks like he's living a good life. (laughs) And 
not not doing too too poorly for himself and then how han even at even after all that he experiences in the solo movie where he knows beckett's going to betray him and then he kills beckett and and does what beckett would have done but he still seems to be happy go lucky and hasn't been so uh, become so cynical yet and so i'm curious to see like if in the next if they do make something it'd be interesting to see whether now that kira seems to be the head of the syndicate if he tries to get back with her and then she kind of burns him because she has to save face with maul and that is what really turns him to the cynic that we see in episode four i mean i think there's a lot there's so many different possibilities where they could tie han and kira and then maul together that i i don't know i think it it felt very star warsy to me um if that's a term alden ehrenreich's performance is solo i mean my daughter who's only seen episode four maybe once and she's like that was han solo i he felt like han solo to me and I'm I'm excited to see what they could do with it. Whether they choose to do something more with it, I mean, there's been the really vocal minority who just like boycotting the film for whatever st- stupid reason. I don't understand. I mean, there's there's so many things in this world to be angry about. I don't see the point of being angry about entertainment in a fictional universe. But that's just that's just me. I would like I would like to see them explore all those tangents that you guys said the movie inspired in you, or in the tangents that. I, that came into my mind and or even as a Jim was saying there's a lot of really cool stuff with the old old republic or like the i mean, maybe you guys read some of them the, the tales of the jedi in 95 with like exar kun and yula keldroma those are some really cool tales i'd like to see incorporated somehow but i'm not one i'm not the one calling the shots <laughs> you know that is one of the cool things dave is you know, you made an v- excellent point where you know where the where the backlash and, and fandom kind of was there to to boycott a, a film, and you made it, it, it is entertainment and a fictional universe. And I think for one thing, as each of these films have come out and like the the new you know air quotes the new films, as each one comes out, I'm not any less excited for them, but I'm also not living on the edge of my seat trying to wonder like what's going to happen and then i'm trying to either trying to spoil them for myself or i i have to know where wherever they go you know we say it often on this network and in lucasfilm we trust and and especially with rebels and and clone wars and everything and filoni we trust i just have a lot of trust in the filmmakers and the direction of where they're going and are they perfect And, and jim i know you've pointed out before they're not perfect i mean with some of the things in the solo film with oh, um, the, hatches, you know, the hatches, that was a good point. Yeah. You know, with, with continuity and stuff there, it's never going to be perfect, but it never really has, has been, but you know, I actually, this may be a good talking, a good jumping off point from here is I, although I do want to come back. So I want to talk about Kira, the, the books have really mm-hmm. made me a bigger fan of, of her even more than the film did, but it's almost kind of like this concept of the, uh, viability of the narrator and and that's something that they've kind of they've tiptoed around in some of the novels and I don't think they'll ever get there with a the film but you know you're you're reading this story and the book uh, Legends of Luke Skywalker definitely peeled that back on you to say like this seems like it's a tall tale 
you know, a fable and most of it could be true, but then you have to wonder like wh whoever's narrating this story, can they, are they believable? And I don't, I hope that they don't use that as like a, a crutch to say that, oh, this continuity sake, oh, just you couldn't rely on the narrator. But I don't know, Chris, what are your thoughts on that? That's a good point. When you think about it, it's going to be hard. You get different, like they did the certain point of view book. It's a certain point of view and, and how the story is being told and, and how it's being interpreted and and how it's being remembered. Yeah, hopefully they don't go that route. But they, I mean, with Lucasfilm, they've they've got this story group in place and they're trying to keep this canon storyline, you know, set up in so many different formats that it's almost it, it just seems insane to me <laughs> from comic books to novels to forces of destiny to rebels you know and then into the movies it's just um you know the people that are really sticklers to making sure everything fits in place you know as far as the fans go i mean everybody's human that's putting this together and there might be things missed here and there, but no, I, it's a great point. I think that the movies, you know, set the tone for everything else. We just need the people, you know, the fans to, to accept, accept the movies. And I think the over criticism of Disney and Lucasfilm is a little bit harsh to say the least. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Jim, anything to add? I mean, well, he, I mean, obviously, we're not going to beat a dead horse here. We know that you're not particularly fond of, of the trilogy, uh, the the prequel trilogy, but you're not out there starting like boycotting campaigns and, and trying to badmouth it wherever you can. It's just if it comes up in conversation. But, you know, you you have respect for differing opinions and you know, you're able to have conversations with that. I think that I think any discourse is is important because, you know, Chris, you had mentioned one thing that, um, you know, is something that I just I've tried to give it a shot. It's just not my cup of tea. I'm also not the target audience for it. But the forces of destiny stuff, I mean, I, I've I finally caught up on the newest stuff that came back out in May recently. And, you know, it's cute. It's geared for kids. You know, it just it fills in little gaps here and there. But at the end of the day, I I am perfectly OK with just letting it exist and let people that enjoy it, enjoy it. And I'm able to carry on with my day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's so much different medium where things can be delivered. And you said target audience. And we need to accept that there are some things that you're just not going to be as into for the Star Wars universe just because it is targeted at there's well, there's a very large audience for it. So there's a lot of people for them to target and there's not a lot of things that will be one size fits all outside of the major major films, right? The one thing that Chris was saying where it is such a large expanding universe and it's hard to keep everything straight and correct. I agree with that. The only thing that I would add to that is I kind of feel like the movies are should be the the top of the pyramid and there's not that many now. So we should be able to get that right. You know, the continuity between movies should be spot on. And actually, I, was, I saw something interesting. I, I wish I would have read read it a little bit more in depth because it was about uh, when did those pictures with Ray Park come out that you were mentioning? That was about a week ago or so, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. It was yeah, around was that. 
around that same time, there was a story that they were actually going to have the wrong lightsaber. Like they were going to have the lightsaber from the Phantom Menace, I think it was, and he no longer has that. Did that get destroyed in that movie? I'm trying to recall what the gist of the story was. Phantom Menace because Obi-Wan split it in half and he was yeah. fighting the last half and the other half, I think, fell down into that pit. So apparently they were actually going to have him at the end of Solo with that lightsaber. And it was the uh, it was the actor. It was one of the actors on set that was actually like, uh, hey, that shouldn't be the you know, that shouldn't be what he has. It should be something else because that one got destroyed. And so I'm, I think it was Reddit where I was reading about this. And that was uh, that was Sam Witwer. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, the voice he, of Darth Maul. The voice, that's what it was, the voice actor. So it was, but it was just kind of interesting to hear that it was an actor that kind of stepped in and said, hey, you know, we're not doing this correctly. And that's where I, I find it so odd that with, with everybody that's behind these films that nobody would step in and say, I mean, I know we're fans, we really love these things, but I feel like so many of the people that are involved in these films now are huge fans. That's one of the great things about it is J.J. Abrams, you know, he is a huge Star Wars fan. He always has been. That's why I like him being involved with these films. Ryan Johnson is another great example. And it just surprises me when it's the actor that's coming along during the movie production that says, oh, this this detail isn't right. <laughs> you know, Dave, if anybody's going to know Maul better than Sam Witwer, I, I, I dare somebody to try to find that. So he corrected Maloney one time. Like they had a scene, I think, in the like motorcycle or something, where they were talking about, "Oh, this is my mother," and they were like saying, "Oh, this is first time Padme meets Anakin's mother," and and Sam Whipper like just like stopped everybody's studio and said, "Wait a second, they already met in the Phantom Menace, so you have to fix this," and they did, (laughs) (laughs) and everybody was like, "Wow." Yeah, I mean, and that was, um, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm. doesn't Maul end up with uh, Savage Opress's lightsaber, his brother's there? I think he does, yes. And it was actually, it was it that episode that you mentioned in, in the Clone Wars where he does face off against Palpatine? Yeah, both him and Savage, just because this is in the Mandalore arc, and so they have like basically taken control of Mandalore, and Mandalore's like descended into civil war, and Palpatine goes out there he's like okay this has become something i need to deal with because this could uh disrupt his plan so he goes out and confronts the two of them and that's where yeah savage is dealt with and then maul is um just put into well he's begging for mercy from palpatine and then that's when palpatine says i have I've, i still have uses for you but we at that time didn't know what kind of uses he had for him and so his his appearance in Solo now kind of, I thought, gives us a better indication as to what kind of use maybe Palpatine had for him. Whereas his, him showing up in Rebels, all he's bent on is getting his revenge against Palpatine. So obviously he had served his use and then been discarded again. Not the, Probably not the first time, but now it would be like third time. So, Chris. Yeah, Chris, I know that they, I can't remember what novel it's they've mentioned in. I want to say it might be where they're adding a little bit more color to the story in the, uh, the audio, uh, audio book on audible for, uh, Murr Lafferty that you said was writing that. And I feel like they gave a little bit more information about Crimson Dawn in that and saying about how ruthless they are. And they're one of the top crime syndicates in the galaxy. And obviously, you know, when you're coming back to that, you know that the reason why they are like that is because of Maul. And Dave, you make a really good point. It almost seems like that maybe that was 
Palpatine's way to uh, give unrest in the galaxy to further cement the Empire's hold on stuff by making sure that there was also that that presence to to really the empire couldn't really put the thumb down on on everybody but having those crime syndicates and they go into so much of that in the actually most wanted i feel like gives you probably the clearest picture of what the what the situation that the empire has actually really created on a lot of these these worlds that the empire has the control over like Corellia. I mean, if you think about it, it's it's a really convenient way for the Empire to justify their presence because you have this crime syndicate is existing and it's causing problems on a planet. So the Empire is like, well, we're going to come in and we're going to deal with it for you and we're going to make your lives better. So they make it look like they're dealing with it. But then on the flip side, they're probably making some co secret arrangements so where they can mutually profit off of it. So Empire turns a blind eye to their activities and let them kind of do their thing locally so long as they don't step on the Empire's feet too much. So the Empire is killing two birds with one stone. They are making themselves look like the benevolent saviors to this local system who's been oppressed by this crime look crime syndicate. And then these people are like, okay, so the Empire's put them in their place, but at the same time, the Empire is going to gonna profit for them okay you guys gonna do this you're gonna take advantage of people we want such and such take and then we're gonna let you do your own thing and so that seems like to be well, at least for me it's a very machiavellian way to approach it and seems right up palpatine's alley chris anything to add yeah <laughs> sorry i'm just taking it all in no it, it's amazing uh yeah like you said most wanted they definitely delve into what's going on with the crimes crime syndicates in in that part of the galaxy and then in the novel for solo they definitely get into some exposition on you know where crimson dawn falls in the in line with the other crime syndicates and and you get more of a sense of like we can't mess with you can't mess with the uh, the syndicates and i just it's I wish we got more of that in the in the movie. I think that's what really makes it interesting. And, and especially like in Clone Wars when they get in when they're dealing with the the pikes and and the other crime syndicates, it's just it, it's just so interesting. And I think there's just a lot there's a lot there and I really hope we do either get it in another solo movie or you know, one of the other series or movies that come out, jump in on, on that kind of thing. I, I really wondered if that, that time period that we're talking about, it feels like it's almost the Goldilocks zone for Star Wars fans, because there's so much that can connect the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. And you can have elements of both. Uh, you can have a lot of settings and characters that people are familiar with or at least terminology and it really makes me wonder if we do get a live action tv show if that is the perfect setting for it exactly what we've all been talking about with the different crime syndicates and involvement of the empire that is to me that would be my favorite thing if they could do that, if they could give us something else besides a movie, something else besides an animated series, bring us a live action TV show, something set in about that time, you know, post pre, uh, prequels, pre-original trilogy, 
where we get the elements of the empire that we know from the original trilogy while also having callbacks to the prequels. And there's so many storylines that could be involved, just what Chris was talking about, how the different syndicates can uh, you know, interact with each other. Like Dave was saying, the involvement of the empire, there's so much material there and it doesn't need to be Luke Skywalker and Han Solo or Qui-Gon or any of these characters, obviously not Qui-Gon, but you know, that's, I really am hoping for that. Maybe that's what the Game of Thrones guys are going to do. They're going to keep the mother of dragons. Maybe they're going to do a little trilogy in that, in that time zone. I'd like I said, I love the character of Kira. I feel like I, as my, I, I feel like there was so much potential with the solo movie to be one of the best films that I think despite all of the issues that we know that happened behind the scenes, and it feels like it probably could have been multiple films, even as far stretching it as it, as it was. Chris, you made a great point. There was so much more that they could have explained and, and, do, and dove into. And, you know, ultimately, I feel like it came together and it's you know jim i'm still trying to figure out where i want to rank it i think i like the concept of solo more than maybe i actually enjoy the film like i've just been completely fascinated with starting to collect the lando version of the falcon i mean it's <laughs> completely different than what we're always used to but i just getting like the origin story for our favorite you know ship in the galaxy it, it, that that part's cool and i want to know more about what you know Han and, and Chewie do and I love that we got a little bit of their you know origin but the Kira I feel like it she was a great character in the film but all of the books that they've done most wanted and then so far that I've seen in the solo novel they give so much more of her her cunning the the her thought process behind things and I don't feel like the film does the character as much justice as a lot of the written ha the written form has done yeah i i think that too because i think in the film she comes off i wouldn't say her transition is too abrupt you see her is kind of leaning on han at the beginning and then suddenly when han meets her again she's like this really self-assured and then when she takes down dryden you're like wow she calculated all that and it's like they haven't been apart that long. It's because it's just three years later, but it's amazing. And three years, the transformation that happened within her. And you really don't get to get a sense of how that happened. It's just that felt a little abrupt to me. As much as I really liked the character and I really loved how she executed that little coup d'etat in her own way, but it just felt really abrupt. And as Chris was saying, there was something that could have been explored more, but maybe given t time constraints and the fact they had to reshoot a lot of stuff, that was probably something that got left on the editing board and hopefully be fleshed out more later on. Oh, and it's funny too. I keep going to back to Most Wanted because I've listened to it within the last month. Dave, she runs circles around Han for most of that book. Like it's, it, you know, and that's, I think that's where, had I had the ability to, you know, read that, shortly before seeing the film or right afterwards i would have thought maybe differently you know about the character and it wouldn't seem as much but you know jim that's another point that we've made before in the past is you know the movies have to have the, the highest hierarchy in the fandom and the novels are there to be supporting pillars but you can't you can't expect 
the casual fan to go out and want to read all the novels to completely understand everything like our us super fans want to. Yeah, and actually something you said uh, a minute or two ago about liking the concept of Solo more <laughs> than maybe the execution of the movie. It, it's kind of, I've been thinking about that since you said that. And it's probably the... Uh, the best take I've heard that fits with how I've been feeling about the movie and not being able to explain it. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because now when I rewatch it, I'm going to have a different view, a different point of view when watching the movie. But you're right with the novels. That's probably the biggest complaint. If we got rid of a lot of the superficial complaints about how uh, Disney and Lucasfilm have handled the newer movies, the one that I could lead some credence to is there's probably been too much left to these other forms of media for telling the stories that prop everything up. And a great example is we don't really, when you watch The Force Awakens, there's so many times where if you don't read any of the other books surrounding that movie, you kind of just ask, to your, ask yourself, how did the resistance, what is the resistance in the New Republic in the First Order? it doesn't make a lot of sense to somebody just walking in there and going from Return of the Jedi to The Force Awakens and just seeing why is there resistance? Why isn't the New Republic there to beat back the First Order? Why have they allowed the First Order to come to be so there's this small group that is just the resistance? It's never explained. But if you read the books, you understand that the New Republic was striving to be a lot less of a military force because they didn't want to be seen as another empire, just kind of changing the face and uh, having the same military rule behind the scenes. So it all makes a lot of sense. But if you just go watch The Force Awakens, there's nothing in that movie that really tells you that. So I think that's probably something that Disney and Lucasfilm could do a better job of with these movies. And like you were saying, Solo is another good example of that. And there's a lot more stories there that maybe set you up or, or could be expanded upon that would make the movie have a better, you know, some better execution, maybe some better storytelling. But unfortunately, maybe it's time constraints or whatever, but they need to find a way to maybe improve upon that in future movies. Jim, it's funny that you, you bring that up. I mean, it's a, it's a great point the people that were complaining that the prequels had too much political stuff in it were the same ones that were complaining that the force awakens didn't have enough political stuff in it. Yeah, there you go. And it's, mm. you know, you almost think maybe, you know, JJ Abrams, the story group, Lucasfilm, whatever, just really reined it in as far as the political uh, aspect goes for fear that, you know, it would cause some backlash uh, because, again, they were making a movie that was going to try to appeal to the most people and and look at look at how it how well it did. And but then you get the hardcore fans complaining that they made it for you know too watered down, and it's just it's really hard. I don't, I don't know how. I'm I'm glad I'm not in their position because to figure out that formula that works best for the most broad audience. I mean, that's why they make the big bucks really. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they make the big bucks and we're huddled around a, a virtual table here talking about that. No, I, I think the the one film maybe where they got the formula just right was Rogue One. 
because they they brought in. I mean, you have you have that that archival footage of from episode four with Gold Leader, Red Leader. That's brought in. So in, in that just that one little touch there, you got you satisfied all the the, the old trilogy fans who swear by the old trilogy. And like, oh yes, they got that in there. But then also you you kind of you brought in some new elements like with the uh, guardians of the wills. And so you, you, you delved into some new areas that hadn't really been explored. Plus you showed a darker side of the rebellion that really we never saw in the original trilogy. So you kind of make the rebellion seem, I mean, they're still fighting for good, but you see that they're using whether for better, or for worse, very pragmatic means to achieve their end, which, makes their struggle much more realistic but so combining those new elements but with all those classic elements i think that was the one film where they got the formula right well not exactly right but like 90 percent right if you're going to give them a grade of like zero to 100 percent, like they probably got an a minus there oh man i probably give them a 99.9 i love that movie <laughs> just, got a lot of nodding heads here Dave. I know, it's yeah. funny the rogue one always is a topic on the cantina always yeah. pops up it's one so, of my favorites it's, it's definitely one of my favorites now it's funny the the two things that you know chris just talked about and then dave you just brought up got me thinking about another topic because chris was talking about how uh maybe the force awakens went very very light on any of the politics side of things or the deeper storylines mm-hmm. and there was a scene cut of uh, Leia speaking, talking about how she, uh, I forgot what the, the gist of it was, but she was basically saying, I need to go with the resistance. And she was talking to another character and saying, you need to stay here with the Senate and, you know, warn them about the first order. And uh, that got cut. And I think it's on the, the, the release of uh, the home release of the force awakens. You can see that cut scene. And then you were Dave, you were talking about in rogue one where they used a lot of archival footage. And that kind of ties us into with the episode nine, we have learned, and I don't think we've talked about this on the cantina, but Leia is going to be in that movie using archival footage from the force awakens, which I'm really interested to see how they're going to do that. Um, I'm excited to hear that they found a way to bring mm-hmm. her in. And as Brian said, in Lucasfilm, we trust. I'm going to trust that they're going to do this the right way. Hopefully it does not go horribly wrong. Uh, but what does everybody think about that? I don't think we've talked about it yet. I, I think it's the best move for an impossible situation. You're not going to satisfy everybody, but I think that's the best move in this impossible circumstances. And so I think if they can like make a CG, CG Tarkin, but if, I think there's there's more than enough chance they can do something decent with footage that already exists. At least that's my take on it. <laughs> yeah, think, I'm Chris? with you on that. Uh, I I think, yeah, because for me, it was going to be really tar- hard if they recast Carrie Fisher. I mean, I wouldn't, I would have been, you know, okay with it if the choice was, you know, if they made a solid choice. But um, I think this is, like Dave said, impossible situation. It's probably their best case scenario. But I, I think I heard that they might also be using footage from The Last Jedi, too. But I don't know. We'll, I guess we'll see. I mean, the technology that Lucasfilm has, and I'm sure they're inventing, you know, new technology to make this work as best as possible. I'm looking forward to it. I think it might squash a lot of people's theories about well, it squashed a lot of people's theories about her being killed off in the, you know, in the crawl or whatever. 
or in the meantime, I don't know. Or maybe I don't, this might be an out there thought. Maybe it's, it's like hollow vid messages of Leia or something like that, that they're uh, referencing after the, maybe she does get killed off and uh, you know, they're looking at her diary or something. I don't know. Trying to find mm. the information on something. I just, I, I was having a, a similar conversation that we were trying to figure out whether we, we came up with two possible options. Obviously there's a lot more than that, but what we were going to put money on was hollow, uh, you know, holograms of some kind, kind just messages or whatever. She never really appears in person, but we we're like, ah, that just, it doesn't feel like it fits, but maybe a very, very early on, death in episode nine mm. just to find a way to give her a more uh, sufficient send-off uh, for her stature in the universe uh, and that's kind of where if i was going to put money down on it and bet i would think it would be early on in episode nine they use the footage to unfortunately have her pass on but um on, on, a, on a bright note we do also get the announcement that matt smith is going to have uh, an involvement in episode nine he's been cast in the movie and what is supposed to be an important role is what I saw when I read the announcement. And uh, he's my favorite doctor from Doctor Who. So that couldn't have gone better. I don't know if you guys know Matt Smith at all, but he's awesome. So <laughs> I know I, our I, buddy. I know our buddy Scott Inch certainly does. <laughs> yeah, uh, not from Doctor Who, but uh, from The Crown. That's Oh, yeah, <laughs> we watched that, too. Yeah. He's very good in that. Yeah. Rewind about 30 minutes ago and I said, oh, I'm not too interested in speculating or, or finding any of this stuff out, but you guys have me, you guys, number one, thanks to Dave and both of you, you guys got me, I think the last time we all talked it, I got super excited about Rogue One all over again, and dang it, guys, you just did it all over again for me. And then number two, I, I think I'm, I think I'm starting to get to the point where I'm starting to get pretty excited about the possibilities of episode nine, and, you know, maybe a final topic we can kind of talk about here before we let Dave, go on his way. And Dave, we certainly appreciate you joining us this evening. No problem. What do we think about episode nine? Is it going to be, obviously it's the end of a trilogy, but is this, is this going to be finite on that, that lineage and that line? Is it just an ending to that particular story? And we're going to see these characters again. I, I don't know. I don't as much as I love the character of, of you know Ray and Finn and Poe and all the new characters they've given us. I don't think that they necessarily have. To, I, I mean, obviously they've they've talked about potentially using them again in the future, but we've talked about it before. I mean, do they do we put them on the shelf for ten or fifteen years and, and come back to them? I don't know, Jim. What are your thoughts? Again, if I was going to be a betting man about it, I would say that we're not going to see those characters again for a while. And it's disappointing because my favorite aspect of the new trilogy is that it's given us some characters that I love just as much as some from the original trilogy. Um, I find Kylo Ren a much more compelling villain than we've had in Star Wars since Darth Vader. You know, I mean, it's just uh, there's so many characters that they brought in just Finn, Poe, Ray, and Kylo that I I feel like there could be more told about them, but I'm actually okay. If this is all we see, I, I don't feel like we need to know, uh, everybody's origin stories in more detail or what happens to them after I am perfectly okay with, if this is kind of the end of a nine film saga 
and we get very little if any continuation of any characters beyond that i would mm -hmm. actually be perfectly okay with that i'd be excited if they did something else but i'm not going to be disappointed if they don't dave what are you uh what are you noodling on over there uh, i was just yeah you know, i was i was agreeing that i think these characters will be put on this shelf after this and i i mean it'd be a little bit disappointed but at the same time i think this could be a really good opportunity to uh Especially with um, Kylo Ren's story, I've I've really liked him as a, kind of like Anakin's arc in reverse, and uh, I still think that to to continue that ring theory thing and how everything in the prequels and then the original trilogy and sequels kind of mirrors each other. I was actually just talking about this with uh, one of my brother's friends at his wedding yesterday, but he said he never realized how. Darth Vader killing Palpatine at the end of Return of the Jedi mirrors Emperor killing Mace Windu in Episode 3. And so I'd like to see something similar, whereas Kylo Ren redeems himself. And whether he, he loses his life in redeeming himself, that completes the prophecy of the Chosen One. And not that the Chosen One was one person, but the Chosen One was the Skywalker line. And so that with, even though he's a solo... He still has the Skywalker blood, and so with Kylo Ren, if he could find a way to redeem himself, and that the remaining light is Rey, who is no longer a Jedi, but we've seen that she has acknowledged both the dark aspects, excuse me, and light aspects, and see that in the end, by Kylo Ren redeeming himself and somehow restoring balance with Rey to continue it on, that the Skywalker line is completes the restoration of the balance in the force and that ray is the one to continue it and that would be i think a really cool way to tie in all three trilogies and make the most sense of the uh chosen one prophecy but that's just wow my interpretation of it <laughs> i like Does anybody that. have jj abrams number we should probably get dave in contact with jj oh, definitely actually yeah. <laughs> don't let us down dave <laughs> i don't know chris what are your thoughts well i can't quite top that but no, uh, no, that was the, the proverbial <laughs> mic drop right there i know right way to follow thanks. that one up thanks thanks for setting me up there dave um no, no, I'm just good. go in the site in the site in the site they want to cut the no i mean i episode nine i think we're definitely going to be in store for probably one of the most epic Star Wars movies um, to date. They, Lucasfilm, Disney, J.J. Abrams, I mean, everybody's going to bring it on this thing. I, you know, they're going to want to try to right the wrongs that, you know, maybe they thought they didn't quite do uh, properly with The Last Jedi. Uh, take into account all you know, all fandom, how Star Wars is, um, I mean, not all fandom, but all the different elements of Star Wars. I, I think they're going to just jam pack this movie with, with everything that you could ask for. And it's hard to say for me how the story is going to play out. Um, I have a really hard time thinking of a way that Kylo Ren is redeemed. Um, I'd really like the, I really want to see what happens there. And as far as the characters continuing on, I can definitely, again, I can see like what you guys said, putting them on the shelf for, for a number of years, continuing that story down the line. But 
I think I can see, you know, maybe Poe or or um, Finn being a part of another another series uh, in a different aspect. But anyway, anyway, we get more content with those characters. Uh, I'll take it. But yeah, I'm excited. We got a little over uh, a year or so to go and lots of time to speculate. About 15 months or so, and we'll have plenty of time to speculate here on that cantina. And that could be set at the opening. We don't have an agenda. We just see where the conversation goes. And where the conversation went was excellent. Thanks to you, Dave. And the invite's always there. We'd love to have you joining our, our virtual table. It was a little yeah. bit easier to have yeah. you join us, you know, stateside. But, you know, we'll we'll find a way to make the time zone, uh, the time difference work at some point again in the future. Okay, yeah, that, that means I'll be speaking to you from the future because of the international dateline, which is kind <laughs> of about, but yeah. It's nice to be only one hour behind instead of 13 hours ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so usually about this time, we do some plug times with Dave. You know, I know that you're, you know, you know a great fan, a great resource. I, you know, I see you contributing to some other you know, podcasts and stuff mm -hmm. out there. So I want to give you a chance to plug some of that. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I have my own blog that I do in Japanese and English where I write a lot about Star Wars stuff, but I also write about things that I've learned in Japan. And I feel I need to get that perspective out so in English so people can see it. So that that's just a Akiruno, Akiruno life. So if you search that, You'll probably find that blog. Uh, I'm also at Twitter at N-O-R-S-K-A-K-I-R-U-N-O at Norsk Akiruno, Norsk for my Norwegian ancestry and Akiruno. That's where I live in Tokyo. Um, my Instagram handle, I believe, is the same. And yeah, I've written some stuff for Blast Points before. I've written a couple for Hyperspace Pod Blast. I just did a piece not too long ago about um, the influences of John Ford movies, specifically Ford Apache on one episode of The Clone Wars Trespass in season one. It's a really, really good episode. And the first time I saw it, I instantly was like, wow, this really reminds me of something. I went and watched Ford Apache and was like, that's it. That's where it came from. So those are some of the things I write about. I didn't finish it before I left to come here, but I'm working on a little piece right now about a, a Japanese manga about vikings but the theme of uh, atonement is a very important theme and i think when you read it you'll see how the main characters struggles in this manga are very akin to like had anakin maybe turned back to the light side much earlier i think he would have gone through the same sense of guilt and maybe would have chosen a similar path of trying to pursue atonement and so that's a it's a fascinating manga that I think you can find in English. I don't know if translations are official or not, but so yeah, that's something I'm working on now. Sorry if that was a long plug, but <laughs> no, absolutely. You get, you have the floor, my friend. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to try to wrap that up when I get back to Tokyo later this month. Well, definitely uh, let us know when that does. And we'll, we'll drop it on our social media on the brick city blockade and our handles here, Jim, where can they find you on social media? can find me at Red5Jim on Twitter and Instagram. Chris? At Vintage Viewport on Twitter and Instagram. 
And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jedi Scavenger SW. You've been listening to the Brick City Blockade Star Wars Podcast Network. You can find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud. It's been a while since I've done this plug, so Robin, I apologize for probably missing a couple things here. Head to BrickCityBlockade.com for all the latest of things going on. Got to give a quick plug for Six Scale Scavengers, the podcast of hot toys that Chris and I just started. Three episodes in, you can find that on Libsyn and Apple Podcasts and all those other things that I just talked about. So, But Dave, I can't thank you enough. I'm already looking forward to the next opportunity that we get to talk to you from the future. And sure. It's, sure. it's such a great conversation. And thank you. Thank you. Oh, no, my pleasure. I, these are the type of conversations that I enjoy most. Just letting it go. See where it takes you. All right. For Jim Roberge and Christopher James Lay, this is Brian Fontaine. You've been listening to the Brick City Blockade Cantina. And as we always say, may the force be with you. Always. Always. always.